What's up, folks? I'm Logan, and I'd like to welcome you to this month's episode of the Blue Post podcast. 40 years ago, in May of 1977, a little movie called Star Wars opened and became a cultural juggernaut and now spans eight films, two animated TV shows, comic books, video games, books. It shows no signs of stopping. Charles, Chris, Kelly, and I decided now is the best time to sit down and discuss the state of the Star Wars universe. So if we're going to discuss the state of the Star Wars universe, I think we have to address the big thing that is still, I want, it's not really a big issue anymore, but it's still something people talk about. And that is the canon wipe where when Disney bought out Lucasfilm, they, a few months later, like, by the way, everything we've released before that isn't a movie or one of the TV animated TV shows is not canon anymore. I think people had a knee jerk reaction to them canceling or sort of wiping the yeah or putting them in legacy yeah and everyone seemed to have a character where they're like yeah. oh but you have to include this person but like I, you still hear people complaining about Kyle Katarn yeah. not being involved I mean or, but I think Disney's being smart Disney and Lucas Lucas films are being very smart about who they bring over when they bring them over like Thrawn, Thrawn. like Thrawn yeah Thrawn's Thrawn the best back. example I think and Thrawn's been probably the best part of Rebels this past season yeah um, and he's gonna be a huge part of the, this next upcoming season and so like. I think it allows them the freedom to pick and choose the best parts of that old canon and bring it back in. Yeah. Because there's a lot of bloat. There's a lot of bad stuff in the the Legends. Because I remember when they were like, by the way, we're getting rid of everything. I remember actually being like happy. I was probably one of the few Star Wars fans who was like, oh, thank God. I was happy because it seemed more clean cut. And then you could actually decide like easily what was canon and what wasn't. It's instead of like, is this canon? Well, yeah, they say the books are maybe, but like, it was always up in the yeah, air. Like, there's, and now it's definitive. It's like, no, like, this is what's canon. These are not. Like, done. Yeah. To me, the biggest loss isn't even the books. To me, the, the biggest loss is the Old Republic and I, the, I, I, the entire concept of the Old Republic. Because Lucasfilm still won't even give an answer on whether or not Old Republic will be canon or not. Right. Like, and, they've had they've had nods and hints mm-hmm. to it. Like, they reference it in some of the artwork. The Hammerhead ships are, were based off the ship designs. Right. Um, and I'm almost... I'm, I'm like, probably 90 to 95% sure that... We're going to see Revan, we're going to see Malik in some kind of capacity. We're yeah. going to see Satil Strahan. Like, we're going to see them in some capacity. If they don't change their names, but at least somewhere we're going to have them. Uh, yeah, I can see, like, if they do come back, it's just going to be like, yeah, so you know this game you played? Not canon, but here's the universe again. Rebels' last season is coming up. Mm-hmm. They need a new cartoon. They say they have new stuff coming. They, need, they have new stuff coming. Mm-hmm. Maybe this could be a cartoon? Maybe. But I think uh, our entire stance on the whole wipe thing is kind of just a universal. It was a good thing. Yeah, I think sure. It, I mean, yeah. I'm, it, just cleaning out, you know. Uh, yeah. Those those books, novels, games—they still are there, right? You can yeah. like go read them. You can you can experience them, and they're just as every bit as beautiful as they were then, right? Right. But if you're trying to make a cohesive story across. 10 films and this many comics and this many things you have to start eliminating yeah 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 Yeah. well and they wanted to start fresh that they could you know with the partnership with marvel have this whole new wave of comics and these all these other new stories so it kind of makes sense to start fresh so yeah let's talk about that how do we because this is the state of the star wars universe how do we think disney and lucasfilm and marvel and all these partners ea and all them how would we say they're doing Great. So, I fantastic. Yeah. I I remember when that first happened and everybody flipped their lids. They were yeah. like, oh my God, Disney bought Lucasfilm. 
this is the end. Everything is going to be bad now. And I was like, at the time, Avengers had just come out. And I was like, well, but look at Avengers. Avengers yeah, that was, was really good. Yeah. Like, Disney had just bought Marvel. And it was like, look at that. See, like, they can do it. And they've kept that up. I think they've really done a great job. Yeah, because I remember when it first got announced that Lucasfilm was bought by Disney. And everyone's like, oh, my God, it's going to be Disney-fied. And I'm like, well, no, look at Marvel and look at Pixar. Yeah. That was another one I pointed to. Is I'm like, Disney's very hands-off. Yeah. Like, they know that... Pixar and Marvel can run themselves mm-hmm. without having to meddle. Well, and yeah. I would say that we're in like a kind of golden age for Star Wars now because I remember before Disney bought it that, you know, it was a popular thing, but like it's everywhere now and in the best ways. I mean, there's like right. great TV shows. There's these cool comics. The movies are fantastic. Like, in my opinion, they're better than the prequels that we had. Right. Like, you've made a bigger fan base than you've ever had. It's constantly growing. Like, it's right. in a really great place. I mean, t- to me, the idea of Disney buying Lucasfilm, it wasn't so much the idea of, great, they're going to take over. It's no. now Lucasfilm has the resources they need and money. To, do, and, yeah. and to do anything they want. And it's the, it's the backing. It's the relationships mm-hmm. that Disney has and the, the relationships they can foster. Well, truthfully, um, they worked together for years they all i mean to me i was like oh i kind of already thought they were like pretty much partners in this because they had done so much other stuff together before anyway right and and to me the biggest thing was getting kathleen kennedy in charge yeah and getting and getting her to have the final say on everything Mm -hmm. and it's it's a thing of kathleen kennedy isn't the creative that george lucas is she isn't she isn't the driving force that's going to push the industry forward Mm -hmm. but she is first and foremost a star wars Fan. And so when you have someone like that finally in charge making the shot, trust their judgment. The like, yeah. Absolutely. And it's so exciting to see. It's smart. Absolutely. Yeah. For me, the, the biggest loss, right? The, the biggest negative from the, the purchase was the loss of LucasArts. I was so into the Star Wars Bounty Hunter game. I mm-hmm. you played that yeah, one. Absolutely. Or like, or, you know, KOTOR or any of those games. Like, those were really cool and I really liked right. them a lot. And so it was kind of like, a bummer to know that for sure there wouldn't be anything like that anymore. Yeah. Right. But and now like, we've it's moved in a different direction with EA and everything. But And I think that's if we're looking at it, and again, no knock on them, the stuff with their games division right now is the weakest part of their business. It's just the fact that we haven't seen anything yet. Well, we know Respawn's working on something, and yeah. that's the Amy Hennig uh, partnered game that we're really excited about. So anyone that doesn't know, Amy Hennig, she was one of the head heads at uh, uh, Naughty Dog, Dog. Mm -hmm. and so she worked on the main stories for the Uncharted series and for The Last of Us. Uh, So she's a wonderful story writer and a wonderful creator of worlds and a a great game dev. And so having her on board on a Star Wars game is huge, and it's fantastic. And so they're getting the right people involved. They're going into the community. They're going to Star Wars fans and saying, hey, who wants to help us work on this, and who who can show us that they're the best for this job? And then that's great. It's It's just... we need to see something. Yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. it's been four years now since that purchase yeah. was made, and we've, we've had we've had Battlefront, which has no story, yeah. which yeah. has no story, and then the Old Republic, which is but that was already going, which before. had already been going on, and is in this weird quagmire where it's not canon. It's not canon, and to be totally honest, probably will never be. Right. Sure. Oh, we got Battlefront Two coming out. Well, though, though right. Battlefront Two is great, but going to and this is where I want to give. I think we all should give mad props to the story group. I remember reading the third Aftermath book. Because what happens in the book is a rebel ship has a super powerful tractor beam and it's able to pull the Star Destroyer down to the planet as it's going down. Mm. And you can... I was watching the trailer and I'm like, wait, that's the rebel... 
there's a star and it's like okay there's this weird internal consistency because that book wasn't even out yet when battlefront was made right mm. and that was one of the f- battles that i think was one of the first ones battle packs to come out which means that someone somewhere years ahead already was like okay well in the background of this one scene in this one game mission you need to have this happen Right, right. So there's this consistency internally that never existed in Star Wars. Right. And I think, that, again, it goes back to the fans now being in charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing, like, what's important to us. It's consistency. It's understand. It's the fact that this isn't... These aren't singular pieces. It's part of a greater, grander universe. Mm-hmm. And so having that uh, consistency and having people involved that understand that consistency is very important. Because I'm curious how this happens 10 years from now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where, like, now we do have this insane amount of like right now getting rid of the the extended universe is kind of makes this easier yeah but, but imagine in like years? in like 10 years yeah. where we it, have all this breadth of in stuff in four years look how much we've gotten yeah not alone like another 10 years so think like, of like another 10 years and like now when you make a game having one character die you need to figure out how that messes up with everything else like yeah. you because, can't yeah bringing up battlefront 2 i think remember after seeing the trailer my comment to you was like oh, this is just the Aftermath trilogy from the Imperial side. Yes. and so exciting. And there are points in Star Wars that are weaker, and I think the books are probably that moment. Mm-hmm. They're, still, they're, they're still okay reads. There's some that are good reads, and there's some that aren't, but right. I think that's always been a problem with any book based off any series anywhere. Yeah. But it's just the fact that we can have this consistency. It's no longer, uh, well, they said this and this thing, and then, well, they said this and this other thing. There are people whose jobs is literally just to make sure everything is coherent. Back to Battlefront, and going back to the games division, so I know you play Battlefront, but have you guys played the new Battlefront mm-hmm. at all? No. So uh, it's based on the Battlefield 3 engine, and they just kind of reskinned Star Wars sure. over it. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing was that they really, they wanted... Battlefront to appeal to a wider audience, right? So it's very simple. It's very easy to pick up and play. There's not a lot of depth to it. Like, yeah, but it's still fun. It's still it's, it's, it's not, not, I but a lot it's of, fun. Like, disappointing things. Yeah, that. That's it's why still I a ton of it's still it, a ton but... of fun. And I was kind of looking at it through rose-colored glasses because it's Star Wars and it's so beautiful. Right. It's, yeah. it's one of the most beautiful depictions of Star Wars mm-hmm. that you could ever have in a game. The problem was that like I played it for a week straight, and I'm someone that plays games for a long time. I played Starcraft Brood War for 15 years. Like you know, I and I got to the point where I got burnt out on on Battlefront very quickly and I mm. maybe played for a couple hours a night after a while and then just kind of dropped it all together. Yeah, it's great to play for it like an hour a night but I'm not going to have a ton of fun with for a long period of time. Like, yeah. And it was it's a thing of how long can we get excited about these games just because they're Star Wars games. Right, something that's going to make you keep playing it like we've been playing Breath of the Wild. Like yeah. that's been out for over a month now, and it has not lost any sense no. of fun to me. It's I want to play. I want to turn it on. I want to stay until four in the morning playing. Exactly, and then the say. battery on the thing dies. You're like, I should put this away. Like, yeah, you know. But, but the sun's already up. I should just probably go to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or should charge it and then play on the way to work. But you need Star Wars games that have that same kind of feeling where you just yeah, right. want to keep playing them and you want to just keep going and not get bored of it. Yeah, like yeah. after a while, Battlefront turned into my someone's over here. Hey, look, I want to check this out really quick and just look yeah. at how beautiful this is. And then, you play, and then you play for about right, 10 minutes. Well-made game. And you play yeah. for about 10 minutes, and you're like, all right, we're done. These games need to be something more than just Star Wars kind of filler. Mm-hmm. It, needs to, it needs to have something that keeps you there. And that's kind of my one of the things that got me excited when I, I wasn't able to watch the Battlefront uh, panel uh, that happened at Celebration. But reading about it afterward, 
about how it's okay we got a canon story coming out in a video game gives me hope that the first battlefront was more um ea going crap star wars is coming out we need something mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well let's put this out real quick and keep working on what we really right. want to do i mean and, but also at the same time I feel the same way. It's exciting. And the same thing, at the same time, I'm kind of wary of it because, again, if the game isn't great or isn't bad, now that story, that wonderful story, if it is a wonderful story, is stuck in a game that not a lot of people are going to play or, yeah. that, or that I won't want to go back to because it's just not fun to play. Yeah. Right. And it's like, that's the other scary part of it. Now that we could potentially have stuff trapped in in bad media. You need everything yeah. to be in a perfect balance. Right. Well, there are, I mean, there are also the, the fact that, like, there's the Star Wars comics that are out now mm -hmm. that are canon. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, if you're not a comic book reader or if you're not a reader, that like, is already... Like, you go to school? Right. You should. Like, the C-3PO <laughs> red arm thing. Like, we saw, we yeah. watched the movie and we were like, why does he have a red arm? Like, shut the... And then we, like, we were, like, like Googling <laughs> it and we're just like, why does he have a red arm? And they're like, oh, it's going to be in a comic that we released. We're like, we're not, we don't really want to read the comic. We just want to know why you felt the need to give him a red arm. Like, why? So you know, the, and so I've read the comic, and the comics, you know, yeah. it's okay, but we're going to have to read comics now, though, which is, I mean, for, I know for Charles and I, like, we'll read big, popular comics, but we're not, like, buying them all the time. Just right. it, yeah. it starts because like, a lot of money in space and stuff like that, which we don't have abundance of. So it's, we kind of will, like, read little summaries of big things that happened, or if they're really good, we'll buy them or find them online right. or something. But it's like, I'm, so that's stuff that we are going to miss out on yeah. unless we intentionally go I'm sure that's the out. plan, though. Let's put something in every media so that, okay, these people, they don't read comics, but they want to find out about this thing, and it's Star Wars, so they're going to read these comics. And that's Disney so. getting you to get into all of them, right? Because then yeah. you read Star Wars, but then why doesn't that stop you from reading maybe Disney comics or yeah. Marvel comics that are all under the same umbrella now, right? right. There's so much story to tell, right? And there's there so much is. That's, that's yeah. there. And it's, it's great to see people like walk into a comic shop. Like, I, I remember I go to the comic shop all the time, and I buy comics a lot. And it's, I've seen it, your pull list. I mean, <laughs> it's, the, it's the idea of, of, you know, I've been in there, and people are, and kids will walk in and be like, I love I love Iron Man. Do you have I love I love watching Iron Man movies. I like watching the Avengers. Do you have Avengers comics that I can read? And they go ahead and they, there's there's so much more that you can get into. It's like seeing people go ahead and and get them to read and get them to sort of explore deeper things and mm -hmm. find new characters and then and those come out into new movies and now you know more about them and like the synergy between everything that Disney's doing right now is absolutely insane. Going to a different topic is how much Lucasfilm has been willing to be like, okay, this is a problem in. The big example is the um, Rogue One fixing the big plot hole of A New Hope. Sure. Mm -hmm. Right. Where they've gone and said, okay, the, you know what? We can we can do a better job of establishing why this works the way it does. Like, I think the novel Tarkin basically kind of actually helped establish the fact that Vader and Tarkin are probably, are look at each other as equals. They respect each other in a way right. they don't respect anyone else. So when... In A New Hope, there's this weird thing where it's like, Vader, release him. Oh, I see you uh, um, holding Vader's leash type thing. To where you could think that, oh, Vader's just the henchman to Tarkin. When the truth is, Leia's just trying to insult Vader. And Tarkin is the only person in that room that could tell Vader to release the guy. And Vader will be like, okay, I guess probably it's not worth killing him. Sure. Right. It's just like little things like that. They've been willing to go through and be like, okay, how do we massage this and make it? So better? that's expanding on more than just like, you know, a storyline, but that's like a character, right? So yeah. this is 
showing you more into this character of Tarkin and like and his specific relationship, right? Like that's right. the smaller little details that we're gonna get from comic yeah, books and, and that, novels. And that book had like really nothing to do with it, but they took the time to establish the relationship between Vader and Tarkin. It was like, okay, I actually understand their dynamic now, and I think that dynamic comes across even in Rogue One. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think there's there's something to bring up too. Is there's a I think it's issue seven of the new run of Star Wars comics that Marvel put out. Um, it's it's the one where Luke goes back to Tatooine. Is it the Ben Kenobi one? Yes. Uh, I think it's episode, I think it's issue seven. It's an odd number. So it's either five or seven. I can't remember. But it's uh, it, it's around there. It's before it's a, it, it's, it's, a, it's before it really takes off. But it's basically Luke goes back to Tatooine, uh, back to Ben's old hut, uh, and finds his journal of Obi Wan's adventures when he's you know trying to watch after Luke. And the whole thing is. Uh, narrated by Luke as he's going through this journal and it's just it's a fantastic setup for that comic but it tells you so much more about that character that time period right well because that's, that's a big chunk of time period that's kind right. of unaccounted for right, right. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. at this point so like it's good to expand on like those areas that kind of need it and it's fun to have that yeah yeah so it seems like we're all kind of in agreement that right now Lucasfilm has done a fantastic job yeah, yeah. there's some weak points but they're typically not in the main film series. It's like the games yeah. or like the books or just where some things weren't as strong as we would like. But what do we think the future holds? Like, are, are we, do we think Lucasfilm is going to be able to keep up this caliber or? I think they will for at least another good five to 10 years. Cause we've got more and more. I mean, yeah. you've got star Wars land coming. We've got episode nine. What comes after that? Han Solo movie. We're starting to see more games, you know, and more and more books and just more things all the way around. Like, it's just going to get bigger for at least a while. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to set up for your response because I already know what you're going to say. Because yeah. um, I've been concerned <laughs> about how much stuff is coming out that it's almost like, are we they going to be able to keep up the caliber of work oversaturation? Sure. Because... And I, I don't think Marvel's quite hit this point, but I think they might be approaching it where there's almost like too much out there that people have stopped caring. Right. Sure. It's slowed down. It yeah. definitely has. I mean, and so, so the, I actually put a, putting them side by side, right? Putting Marvel yeah. and Star Wars side by side. Um, Marvel, Marvel films, no one, no one grew up or no one making films today is saying, like I watched that first Iron Man, and it made me want to be a director, right? And no one's watching these. Not no one, not not yet, right? No yeah. one's watching these Marvel films and saying like, "This is what made me want to get into this industry." Um, so like the, the rep- and maybe they're into the character from the comics, or they grew up with the with the comics or the characters, but it's like you know this world that they're building. It's just a job to them, right? It's mm-hmm. just a, it's it's another thing that they want to bring to the screen. Where Star Wars. Every single person that works in the film industry, whether you're a writer, a director, a special effects person, especially an actor, anything, 90% of the time you can track all of that back to Star Wars. Most of the time you can track every every love, everything they have, every memory they have to the love of the industry for, to Star Wars. And like to have that amount of love the industry has for Star Wars, I don't think the industry will let Star Wars ever degrade Mm -hmm. do you think it'll ever stop being special i don't think so because i think it's ingrained into us and as great as as ingrained as it is it is in us now like kelly was saying we're in a golden age of star wars right now where the films are probably better than they've ever been there's more media than there's ever been so why would that stop with us yeah it's a great time to be a star wars yeah and so you know now that when we have kids like i have a daughter she's sitting there watching rebels with me 
right? Like I'm watching Rebels while I'm watching in the background. Like I, we're they're going to start to grow up this way. And again, going back to Marvel, maybe we're get, we'll get to a point where you know Marvel properties are thought of the same way, where you know kids are going Avengers is what made me want to be a director, and so you know then you have a second wind of that coming up. Um, but I think now with Star Wars, it's at a point where the industry won't let it degrade. The industry has too much respect and too much love for Star Wars to let it ever... you, you got to think, too, though. I mean, Star Wars is from the 70s, right? It's still really popular. I think mm-hmm. Star Wars, no matter how far in the future we go, even if it has lower peaks, it's still always going to be popular. It's, right. it's always the only, going it's to It's the be. only franchise that still performs really right. well right. in North America. I do feel like something like Marvel will slowly taper off, and like I don't think it's going to hold quite the same. It might no. hold a little, but... I something think it'll have like a Star Wars, eventually. Right, like something like Star Wars, it's like, you know, it was so popular, it kind of mellowed out, and then we had prequels, and it kind of researched, and then it kind of mellows out, and now we've got this acquisition from Disney, and it's just surging higher than right. it's ever been. It might do that again, it might mellow out, I mean, but either way, it's going to be around. It's going to be popular. And the funny thing is, like, as much shit as people give the prequels, those movies, movies are better than most movies that they, come out. They are. <laughs> I think those better than several Marvel movies I can think of, just yeah. saying. Like, uh, well, I so, think the ultimate thing, because I've, I've thought about this for a while, is the fact that Star Wars is, the, um, in some ways, the modern mythology. Whereas if you go into the ancient times and you get the stories of Hercules and Achilles and uh, you know, Theseus and people like that, now we have Luke Skywalker, we have Rey, we have Leia. We, I, all these people are the modern mythology. They're the characters right. that, of myth that we all look at. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's funny, too. Growing up as a, as a kid that loved Star Wars and growing up with, a, with parents that love Star Wars, mm-hmm. like the way I learned a lot of lessons as a kid Star Wars. We're through Star Wars. And it's like, and yeah. you know, like you have to be, my mom was like, you have to be brave. You have to be like Luke. You have to go, you know, and, and using these examples that I know and I recognize. And like, that was the way I learned. That's the way I was taught. That's the way I kind of grew up to be the person I am was through Star Wars. And it's like, I know a lot of people have that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone wants to, like, everyone can ident- identify with that person who just kind of wants to get away and go on a grand adventure and turn out to be like this big hero. Right. Right. So, Star Wars speaks to all of us in some way. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why I'm not scared for it. As, as much as oversaturation is a thing, I think Disney, if any company, Disney is the masters of keeping Jeez. their franchises popular and keeping their franchises... Their company, like, it's yeah, just... Yeah, it's just insane. Like, the, the fact that... Okay, these animated movies are classics. They're wonderful stories. They're, they're things that generations still watch. Let's bring them all into live action. Yeah, and make oh, them incredible too. Yeah. And it's like, uh, and it's like, and those are still, and the, they're doing them the right way. They are, and they, and they're, they're so smart. They're so smart about the way they're bringing those out, and it's and marketing them, and it's just like, all right, Beauty and the Beast is coming out. Let's put out the special edition that Blu-ray out of the vault. Like, that movie like, made like a billion dollars already. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's insane. Like, and it's a great film. It is. It's really good. Yeah, and it's it, and you could go and watch that. And still love the animated one. And, and they're very, they, they're well. different. They yeah. have their own different things, like, and they're great. Yeah. And they're making tons of money off Absolutely. And so, like, if I, if I trusted any company to take care of Star Wars. It's, it's Disney. Disney. It's Disney. Absolutely. Yeah. 
May the 4th is the unofficial official Star Wars holiday for fans everywhere. And while we do have something special planned for that day on May 6th, because May the 4th lands on a Thursday and some of us have to adult, we're going to be live streaming some Star Wars games at www.twitch.tv slash teambluepost. Games and times are still to be determined, so please follow us on Facebook and Twitter so you can stay up to date. I'm really excited about this because one of the games we're gonna be playing, I've coveted since middle school. We got a copy of it and I can't wait to play it. You can't tell me no anymore, mom. But for the last bit of the episode, we discuss our favorite moments in the Star Wars saga. Um, That's easy for me. The moment in Force Awakens where Rey uses the lightsaber. I was like a young girl bullied for loving Star Wars and I wanted to be a Jedi so Bad. I wanted to be one so bad. It was, yeah, Princess Leia is cool. Like, she's an icon for women, but like, she's not a Jedi, right? Right. Like, Padme's not a Jedi. Rey was a Jedi. Like, I wish that she had been there when I was a kid, because I would have loved that. So that moment where a female gets to be a Jedi is like magic to me. Well, it's like so a, good. a main character, you mean, right? Because right, right. Because like, you, know, you had female Jedi before. No, but, but like in a lead role where it's like the main character that you're really rooting for and you're following like yeah. their whole story. Like they're not just like in the background doing right. a thing. My favorite moment. um my favorite moment was from the prequel trilogy. Darth Maul's um, double-bladed lightsaber reveal. Because to me, that was like... That's I mean, you kind of knew from the promo material and stuff that, that he would have a double-sided yeah. lightsaber, but it was like... It was something that was so different, um, especially to me when I was younger because I hadn't explored any of the novels or any yeah. of the like mm -hmm. stuff like that. So Internet wasn't what it is now. It's, like, right, you're right. You know. So it was like... And you see him use the one side of it earlier in the film, so it's like, oh, okay... He just is a red lightsaber. Yeah, it just lightsaber. looks like a really long hilt. Yeah, and then the doors open and the music starts and they're singing in Sanskrit and it goes. My favorite is that that, that, that moment of the light where it goes and then it pause and then you're like, oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a kid, my favorite moment, um, the one that I I played over and over again was uh, when they first land on Naboo and they run into Jar Jar. And uh, Obi Wan has to scare Jar Jar into like helping them, mm -hmm. and so he tells he gives the uh, kind of speech about uh, blasting him into a million pieces and like <laughs> blast you into right. oblivion, and it's just kind of in depth detail of what they're gonna do to him. Recently, it's the speech that Jin Erso gives uh, as they're about to land on Scarif, or after they land on Scarif. You'll take the next step and the next step and the until next all, risk and, yeah. until all our chances are gone. Right. Or... I love that speech so much. It encompasses that entire film and sort of what the original trilogy was of just these rebels that are fighting for right. um, what they believe in. The ending of Rogue One sort of shows, like, has that whole feel to it, which is great. Mm -hmm. Where they're just taking chance after yeah, chance. Yeah, it's just great. Um, mine is actually from the comics. If you go early into, like, the Star Wars comics, when Marvel first started doing their run, uh, there is a fight between Luke and Vader, and Vader's, like, owning Luke yeah. until he recognizes the lightsaber Luke is holding. And he's, like... And he knows because, of like, he can t sense through the Force that this was the pilot that destroyed the Death Star. And he recognizes the lightsaber, and Luke goes on the thing, you killed my father. And Vader's, like, who is this kid? Yeah. And so he actually sends Boba Fett to, like, find out who this pilot is. And so Boba Fett finds out and reports, and he's, like, oh, it's... This pilot is from Tatooine, and his name is Luke Skywalker. And Vader dismisses Boba Fett without a word. And then it's just, you cut to his fist. The, the glass in the spaceship is starting to crack. It does a flashback to Padme saying, I'm pregnant. And then it just goes, Vader's like, I have a son. And you could just be like, 
this is a guy you just don't not want to fuck with right now. Like, his entire purpose at that moment went to, I'm going to get my son. We'd love to know what your favorite moment is in Star Wars. Please leave a comment on our show notes at www.teambluepost.com. If you like this episode of the Blue Post Podcast, please like and subscribe on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. But until next time, may the Force be with you.